Father, we thank you for tonight and for this platform of again of life class. Thank you for always bringing, Lord, grace, wisdom, counsel, Lord, for to teach us and for your spirit of understanding which you bless us with. Thank you for the the sub this topic subject of fellowship. Thank you for Pastor Stopokumi. Thank you for giving utterance and wisdom and grace Lord, to to teach it, to instruct us. Thank you for the wisdom what you've imparted already. Our Lord, we we count it not just a trivia, Lord, everything that comes from you comes at a great price because it's the price of the blood of Jesus redeemed us that has also purchased even, Lord, the understanding of these things. Lord Jesus, um, you've been speaking to us. We've read the manual. Um, but we know there's more. Lord, that you want to say if still when concerning Lord fellowship, fellowship, fellowship with you, fellowship, Lord, with brethren, fellowship in Christ, fellowship, Father, pray, Miss Fenanosia, pray, Mekano, to help us, Lord, help our hearts, Lord, to. Gain all the insight we would you need to give us, Lord, about this. I pray, Lord, quicken every heart now. Let your spirit um just come and receive the spirit of truth. Lord, that you will not speak of himself, you will take off yours, reveal them to us, show it to us. Let that spirit move over our hearts, Lord, to prepare us for conversation tonight, I ask, Lord, let questions be answered. Um, Lord, begin to bring to our remembrance Lord, um, things that you said, and also I ask, Lord, let there be blessing tonight. Um, let there be edification. Lord, I ask, oh God, uh, release grace for, for every heart. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Give you, worship you. Give you mena hasir or an oseka aratuf paraniano. Ephelan to e manion, anyon, anyon, senior Christians, seer, father no seer. I am praying, Lord, in our conversation, let it, let it be also more than understanding, Lord. I pray, let also the spirit of fellowship. The communion of even of the Holy Ghost, which the Holy Ghost sheds of communion even with the with Christ, with the Father, with the Son, and God at all, all levels of fellowship. Yeah, I pray also let there be a, an impartation from to hearts, all hearts, all hearts, impartation of the spirit of fellowship 
Lord, as you desire, let it rest upon upon us, upon the individual, upon the whole class, upon the whole house, upon the company. Thank you, our Father. We bless your holy name. Give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good evening to everybody. Um, I think I can say Happy New Year here because I haven't. Um, this is the first time um, I will be anchoring a class, I guess, this year. So, Happy New Year. Welcome to everyone. Um, welcome to 2024. My class, I think we started off very powerfully this year, Pastor Bukumi, um, helping us round up the um, class, the chapter on fellowship. So, um, praise God. Yeah. And Pastor Bukumi helping us round, round up. Um, Pastor, thank you so much. Um, I think this is a very rich um, chapter and very important as well. Uh, it's very vital, of course, to our um, to our journey um, fellowship uh, because I mean he, he spoke about um, dif differentiating between the relationship, which is what we get once we get born again. Right, we have we're born again into a relationship with. God, of course, um, the persons of God, um, and also relationship with one another, being born into the same family in the spirit, um, but also differentiating between that and then what we call fellowship. So fellowship is what the relationship then gives us access to. And fellowship is very important because it's at the core of you know, everything else, everything else that we are supposed to receive, um, receive as the benefit, the dividends, the purpose, the essence of our relationship with God, with the brethren will come through the medium of fellowship in one way or the other. Um, it's true fellowshipping, you grow through fellowshipping, you increase through fellowshipping, you, you get you know, you receive deliverance um, through fellowship. You know, we come into all the uh, awesome inheritances, all the promises of God for us through fellowship. You know, fellowship both with God and with our, our brethren. You know, we come into everything, everything that is, you know, the Lord has kept for us in our Christian work is going to come through the medium of fellowship. So it's, it's very, very important we know what it is, we're able to understand it um, and not just know about it. This is one of those topics that is not good enough to just understand maybe the verses and what was read or what was taught, but you have to be able to see it in a very practical way because fellowship is very practical. It is very practical. You have to really, really understand fellowship and um, my prayer is that by the time we're moving on from this topic, 
um, I don't know if either today or if we need another week or so, but when we are moving on from this, that we will have, we will all feel that something has been added to us um, in a practical sense in our fellowship, both with the Lord and with one another. Um, before I go further, I want to um, also appreciate um, all our pastors in the house, um, Pastor Femi, um, Ramadei, um, and his wife, Pastor Bimi, um, Pastor Ceci, Paul and his wife, uh, Pastor Busola, Pastor um, Bukumi, of course, as well, and uh, his wife, Statovia. Um, thank you. Love you. <laughs> Um, thanks for everything and thanks for all your labor and your um, holding the fort in different cities and also for helping the, us, the company, to, to, to move forward um, into what the Lord has for us. God bless you, sirs and mass. And um, I want to appreciate everyone again. Thank you for being faithful to life class for always tuning in on Monday evenings. Um, and thank you for seeing the value of it, the importance of it. Um, praise God. Um, so fellowship, I, I think maybe I should just ask for um, a recap of the last class, um, the one we just did. So just to refresh everyone. Um, so who would do that for us? Someone can help us just to recap um, the class, the last class that Pastor Okumi taught to round up the chapter, please, someone. Okay, no volunteers, let me see. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I can do a little recap, sir. Okay, I'm sorry, who is that? Uh, it's Dami, sir. Dami, thank you, Dami. Please go ahead, sir. Um, so from, I think, uh, the last class, uh, Pastor Bukun, we kind of like continued from um, the channels of expressing and enjoying fellowship. I think we continued from studying the word. And we saw that, you know, the word of God is like many waters. It's... um. Pretty much, I think something that Pastor said, you know, we should get to a point where, you know, there's almost like a second Bible in us, so to say, like we've meditated on the word a lot, you know, we've studied the word, that the word begins to speak to us, you know. But obviously he said that um, even more than that, doesn't mean we don't see it pastoring, but like, you know, there's that point that we should get to where the word speaks to us, you know, by much studying. Like they said, the voice of the Lord is upon many waters and things like that. Then we looked at fellowshipping with the saints, um, that it's pretty much another expression of um, community fellowship. But majorly, I think where we focused on was, you know, the different cadres of fellowship. We saw, you know, in the Holy Ghost, uh, you know, in the Word, which is the Son and with the Father, uh, we saw that pretty much from our initial baptism by being born again, we come into um, the Holy Ghost uh, pretty much. And it's a, it's a graduation. It's something that, you know, it's not by our power, you know, for us to even move into the next level. 
so to say. But the fullness of it is, according to the scripture in Matthew 18, sorry, Matthew 28, where it says, you know, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And uh, we saw that um, there's different, like, um, expressions of these beings in us. You know, there's intimacy by leading of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit trains us to, um, you know, there's learning the Spirit majorly by a walk with the Holy Ghost and also coming into gifts of the Spirit. And then we saw, you know, there's also a higher fellowship with the Son, um, you know, as referenced in John 14, which um, is something that we, you know, we come into. That's also a fellowship of love. And um, also then we move into the Father, which is, um, you know, a fellowship of life everlasting. Um, but um, I think one of the biggest things that, you know, that Pastor Bukumi said was we should continually seek, we should continually ask and desire to to move, you know, from one level to another because, you know, this is our life pretty much, you know, like this is something that we should desire day day by day. I think uh, we moved into, you know, understanding the need for a church fellowship, you know, of attending a local church, you know, the fellowship of, uh, they said, not forsaking the assembly of or the gathering of the brethren as the manner of some is, as we saw that it's pretty much there's something, there's a power in the body. There's a power when we fellowship with, uh, you know, other members of um, the body of Christ. You know, there's a lot of learnings, there's a lot of things we come into, you know, love unto all saints, love of the brethren. And there's also something called the fellowship of the suffering of Christ, so and we saw that suffering is not necessarily lack of something, but it's something that is part of our journey, even as Jesus said. Uh, but uh, it's something that will come into for glory as well. Um, there was something that the apostles had, so something that they always spoke about. Uh, and then um, I think lastly was, um, you know, the unpardonable sin. So that, that was the last part, the sin unto death, for which, um, you know, in First John, they said that no one, <laughs> that you can't pray against that one or something like that. But, yeah, just um, understanding that, you know, there's, like, as long as someone has capacity to repent, you know, when there's even, for example, as little as that feeling of not... Um, that that feeling of when if someone commits a sin and there's still that feeling of you know remorse of being sorry that I think one can be rest assured that they have not committed the unpardonable sin, but it's pretty much a sin unto death. It's a sin that is expressed after the knowledge of truth. So when like I think there are a couple of scriptures we saw in Hebrew in uh, Second Peter, I believe as well, when someone has come in contact, you know, it says when you have tasted of the gracious word of the lord or have tasted of um, the powers of the world to come you know for someone to turn back so pretty much that unpardonable sin is something that is um related to turning back uh it's a turning back and um so yeah i think that was kind of like the roundup of uh the um the fellowship uh series but yeah i think the major thing i took was um just desiring and asking in prayers for, you know, more levels and more growth in fellowship. Awesome. Thank you so much, Danny. Um, God bless you. Praise God.
Okay. Um, let me just write it with. I want to just let me have a sense of um, if there are questions, maybe already, if, if anyone has, um, if you feel you have a question from what has been taught um, right from the last year, um, the first class till, till last week. Um, if you have a question um, about this topic, can you just indicate it just here? Yeah. Um, so I can have a sense. Okay. I know I know we have questions, it's just maybe we need to um maybe as we're talking to come to you. Mm. Thank you, Frank. Uh, good evening, sir. Good evening. Uh, I do have a question based on our um, last meeting where um, Pastor Bukumi, I think he was reading First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Mm. Um, yeah, see that, forgotten how it goes, but that uh, we, you know, says we see how uh, we are called. Um, God is faithful. Yes. Thank you very much. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And uh, I believe Pastor Bukumi was explaining that we, when we, we move from, you know, the Holy Ghost to the son and um, we move from the son to the father. Mm. Uh, and, you know, he, he kind of explained that, um, you know, our job, I hope I'm correct in this statement that I'm about to make, that our job is to prosper with the Spirit because uh, we see that in Romans chapter 14 where it says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. So we see that everything is in the Holy Ghost. So our major job is to, he mentioned that our major job is to keep prospering with the fellowship of the Spirit, even though, um, as Dami mentioned, in Matthew chapter 28, I believe, where it says, um, or 29, no, baptizing them with the, um, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Even though we see that there is a separate baptism of the name of the Holy Ghost, um, and then the Word, and then the Father, but you know, there's another aspect of prospering with the Holy Ghost that we can access the name of the Son and the name of the Father. But, um, my, my main emphasis is. Is that God is faithful by whom, you know, he says he called us into the fellowship of his son. So I just, I guess I just want to, um, you know, get more clarity or, you know, maybe by much more explanation on that, what that, um, what that, you know, calling is, you know, that um, I know he's calling us from, Pastor Bukini said, we're being called from one level of baptism into another level of baptism but you know there are i believe that there are criterias of, of that calling you know there are things that are about that calling so just um maybe this question help myself and probably help other people but just want more emphasis on that um, on that scripture okay 
thank you so much, Rafi. All right. Um, so I will not, I will not take one. Um, okay. Does anyone else have a question? Let's see. Um, Good evening, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, my question, I guess it sort of ties into Wesley's on too, in in mm. a in a certain way. Um, mine was about um the relationship between fellowship and church. So um I was uh I was trying to tie it back to Wednesday's teaching where um I think one of the scriptures you read um, from last week Wednesday was um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, um, that says, um, these things I write unto thee, hoping, um, unto, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, this is verse 15 now, that thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And I think one of the things you had mentioned was yeah. that we can say that that pillar and ground of truth is the living God, right? So um, I was sort of tying it to see how, um, you know, like when we talk about fellowship, you know, First um, John 1, 7, 2 would say, um, if we walk in the light as is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, right? Mm -hmm. So is there a, um, can we liken and say that, you know, like, having fellowship or the type of fellowship that a particular you know set of people have can we liken that to um like a church because um you know like in first john one as well you know john will say the fellowship that we have with the father right or he will say um i greet you know my beloved guy or sorry whom i love in the truth so it almost seems like there is a there is a fellowship that they share, right? And because of that fellowship they share, they are they are a body or they are a church, right? Yeah. So um, is there like a correlation between, you know, the sharing of a particular type of fellowship with yeah. also being called, you know, a church, right? Because we know there are different churches. There's the church of the living God, right? Yeah. Right. So um I guess that's sort of my question in in that like what's the tie there between um I guess I'm almost seeing it almost like the fellowship is like the particular food that that church is eating, right? Mm. But not sure. So I, I just said I should um ask about that, sir. Yeah, I hope the question was clear. <laughs> but, yes, sir. I think I get your question. Thank you, thank sir. You, thanks, Michael. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh is there any other one? I would, I would like questions. Any, any other one? From any, anywhere, fellowship, because we, a lot of things were covered. Uh, fellowship with the Lord, um, fellowship with other uh, the persons of the Lord of God, persons of God, Spirit, Lord Jesus, the Father, or fellowship um, with believers, one another. 
brethren. Hmm. Yes, yes, sir. This is David. Um, my question is: I just wanted to ask for maybe, um, I, I guess more. I don't know if clarity is the word, but like mm-hmm. we've we had like at different times, different teachings, and even in this um this series as well, as that there's prosperity in fellowship, or we should come to prosperity in fellowship, and mm-hmm. in the different kinds of fellowship, like with the Father, with Son, the Holy Ghost, with brethren, how or what are the markers or what what things can we use to judge that, okay, I'm prospering in this? Because I guess maybe if you're prospering in the fellowship of the Holy Ghost, is it exactly mm-hmm. the same thing you're judging when you're saying, oh, I'm prospering in the fellowship of the brethren or mm-hmm. that kind of thing? Yes, sir. I don't know. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So just to know how, how you know when you're graduating in fellowship, um, I guess from one one kind of fellowship or level of fellowship to the other, I guess. That's what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Or just when you, or to know that you are growing, is that it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. But also, because I, I mean, Pastor Bukumi touched on this, that we, we shouldn't really focus too much on, like, Okay, I'm now in the fellowship of the Holy Ghost. I'm now in the fellowship of Christ. I should just keep prospering or just keep growing. So mm. it's more like, okay, how can I tell that? Okay, I'm, at least I'm healthy in this yes. area, or I'm bearing fruit in yes. this area. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Thank you. Hello, sir. Yes. Uh, so this is Tolu. Tolu. Yes, okay. sir. Yes, sir. All right, sir. So my question is based on the Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. That's okay. the fellowship of Christ's suffering. Mm. And um, I know Pastor Bukumi did um, a lot of justice to that um, last mm. class, but um, I just want um, um sure if we can get uh, more scenario because I know this part is um, um, one of the aspects that really needs more clarification in terms of distinction between what we think is Christ suffering and what is not. So I'm just um, so I'm asking that um, if there can be more um, maybe practical example that we can easily relate with so that we have full understanding of. The fellowship of Christ suffering. So okay. then, uh, my second question is also similar to what um, Sir David just asked. Is there a point um, at which one can strike a balance between um, not being anxious about mm-hmm. the kind of fellowship? For example, now maybe. I'm in the fellowship with the Holy Ghost, and at that stage, I am. I desire to be utilized. Oh, I desire that. Oh, I'll, I want to be um, at the fellowship with the Father. 
So, and the other case is that, or sh- should I just allow the it to just flow? Because mm. in terms of extiness and then allowing um, myself to just um, flow with the waters. So mm. not being complacent and then not being anxious. So just um, the way we can strike balance. I'm just asking if you can as well do justice in that uh, area as well. Thank you, sir. Okay, sir. Thank you. Awesome. Um, Pastor Jeff, I'm so sorry. Yes, sir. I have one more question, sir. Okay. Um, this this just came came to mind right now. Um, I I think it was the first um, is that the first lesson or the second lesson that Pastor Wukemi taught last year, where mm-hmm. he was describing, um, he was demarcating difference between relationship and fellowship. Mm. And when he said that um, when it comes to relationship, mm. almost when we become a believer, we have a relationship with the Father, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, as we journey in our profession, mm. um, it, it's not, <laughs> we don't break relationship, what we break is fellowship. Yes, sir. Um, but, you know, um, someone can, you know, someone can, be going about their everyday life mm. um, and still be walking contrary to the standards mm. of this life. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are still prospering. And, um, you know, maybe you are still reading your Bible when you want to pray, there is flow. You know, you don't feel like, to, to you, you don't feel like, um, you know, when they say breaking fellowship, you don't feel to what we know fellowship to be. You don't feel like um, there's a break in that flow of fellowship, even when um, your the, your life is kind of contrary to, yeah. you know, to the path. So my, my question is how, what do we, you know, it's because you were talking about when you sin, you actually break fellowship. Um, yeah. So what is the, how do you judge that? Like, is there... I know it's not a one answer thing, but is there a judgment to which one can know ah, there's break of fellowship here? Because you know, what can we use to judge that? Because, like I said, the Holy Ghost is merciful. Mm. Anytime you call upon Him, you would always feel like, you know, you always feel like He's there anytime you need Him, you know, and yeah. He's always there. But, but meanwhile, really, you are breaking fellowship mm. based on your lifestyle. So what is the judgment there? How do we see that? How can we know? Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, The the last question I want to ask um, is about still on the fellowship of Christ suffering, but in another way. Mm. um, How do we undo transitions? Like, how do I know when I'm transiting or probably when I'm at the beginning of a transition or uh, moving into different seasons, even within a fellowship. So how do I manage that um, as regards to personal dealing and um, fellowship as well? I mean, what are the wisdom to um to to take to undo transition different transitions as uh, we journey okay thank you sir like your your question is a, a bit tied to david's own 
in a way. Because David asked about how to know when you're prospering, right, in fellowship. Um, so I think uh, when you are, I think part of the goal of prospering also is so that transitions, right, from one level to another level. Uh, that's the point of growing something, right, to um, transition. So I think those two are tied together. Same. So, okay. Um, any more questions? Um, I love to. I love to hear. I just want to get a sense of what's on your hearts, you know, <laughs> before, and so we can. Um. Okay. All right. Um, if you have any question at any point, you can just um, raise your hands, <laughs> and we can, or you can type it or something. So I'm not aware of it. Um, I'll just be sharing some things, and so um, I believe as I'm sharing them, what I'm sharing. So just open your heart, okay? Um, if you want people who ask questions or you are you have interest a particular interest in any of the questions that were asked just um just open your heart as I'm sharing I believe the Holy Spirit will answer the questions we'll have I know if um um, so I think basically the uh, Pastor Vukumi did an awesome job in this chapter, very wonderful, powerful um, teaching, grace. And um, just to, I want to just maybe just give a, just an overview of the, the point of fellowship, and because it's good to see why. Why is why is fellowship needed? Uh, you know, goes to why is it not just enough that I have a relationship with God? And this thing is very very important because this is, I think, this is at the core of the Satan's um, Satan's strategy, Satan, the enemy's work, not just in the present times but also through all through ages of Christianity. Um, the enemy, Satan knows he can't do too much to hurt our relationship with God. Um, and, but to get to the point where that relationship can be hurt, he would have, must have done so much damage to fellowship for a person's relationship with God to be hurt, which is what at the end of that chapter, we're going to speak about that unpardonable sin and second death and all of that. And so the devil knows that it's not, he can't do too much about that. That relationship is solid. Um, it's solid in terms of who you are to God and who God is to you. That is too solid, that relationship. The power that holds it, the force of that 
relationship and thank God for. And it, it all comes down to the price that was paid. The price that was paid for that relationship is a great price that Satan can't even, he's too, he's too wretched. He, does, he has nothing that he can do against such a price when God offered everything for us and that brought us into the kind of relationship we have with God. It's, it's a powerful relationship. It's, it's on the on the blood and on the person, on the value of the person of Jesus. That's the what gives that relationship. The solidity of that relationship is based on that. And, and the relationship is such that it can never be taken. And that's one thing everybody should know, that nothing can take away. Say, what can separate us from the love? Of God as in Christ, right? Romans chapter chapter eight, right? So that relationship, you have to know that nothing can separate you. The only way anybody will ever lose that relationship is if they give it up. If that person gets to a point where, from the depth the depth of their person, they say to God, "I don't want this relationship with you anymore." That's that's the only way that that relationship can be loved. But outside that, nothing can can take away your relationship with God. Nothing can do because of the power, the price that was paid for you. It's beyond you. He's talking about the it's what Jesus Himself paid. Um, so we thank God for that, and um, that gives us a lot of confidence. So when we are coming to your Christianity. There's a lot of confidence behind your Christianity. It's not something you can just lose. It's not God is not someone you can just lose easily <laughs> like that. You might feel you are the worst person. You are the you know you are the worst of the lot. You are whatever you feel about yourself. Just know that it's not that easy to get rid of God. <laughs> but God in your worst days, in your worst moment, in the one you are the lowest of your lows, the relationship with Him is still as solid on your best days. And we thank God for such a thing. And the more you think about this, you go to value Jesus more. And you go to you you get more thankful and more grateful for the price that he paid to bring us to share in that same that same relationship with God. Um so the enemy knows that. He knows he doesn't even think about that in on a you know on an on an operational level. Rather, he comes to the aspect of our fellowship because he knows if he has any chance to separate any man from God, we'll have to do a lot of investment in, in damaging fellowship over time, for a long time, till the person will decide to give up their relationship with God. And so, um, so that aspect of fellowship has suffered a lot of harm. And apart from even, even if a person Satan knows he can't get um, the person to give up their relationship with God, but there he has more evil intentions in this in the in the person in his heart against Christians beyond even their relationship, because he knows that by fighting fellowship, he can rob Christians of all the dividends of their relationship, of all the things that God wants to give us. 
right, because of our relationship, which are awesome, wonderful, glorious things, all the promises, all of the things in the Bible um, concerning, you know, what we ought to come into and inherit, you know, great spiritual, all the spiritual blessings, you know, reserved in Christ for us and in God. And the enemy knows that the key to stopping believers from, from accessing those things is in the break of fellowship, because fellowship is a technology through which things flow. Is actually the way things flow. Uh, so just, let's just read. Um, if you can read First Corinthians twelve, just to see the why fellowship. Why why is fellowship necessary and important? It's really because of the relationship and the way God has organized um, all people who are in relationship with in this kind of relationship with Him as an organization which is the organization of what the Bible calls body. Um, body. So 1 Corinthians 12, just quickly read it. It says that um, from verse 12, um, it says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of. Is it therefore not of the body? So he's saying, if the foot shall just say that what he's saying, that I'm not the hand. So because I'm not the hand, I'm, I don't like my position. I don't like, you know, my design as a foot. Why am I the foot? Why out of everything God could make me? Why the foot? And let's say the foot complains and say, therefore I'm, I'm henceforth no longer of the body. But it says that because it says that, does it now mean it's no longer of the body? Of course not. But if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the whole body were an eye, where, where, then where's the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where's the smelling? But now God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as it had pleased him. This is very key word. He says the way that God set people in the body is not according to, it's not a democratic process. The the, the members of the body don't have a say um, in where they are placed, where they are, are set in the body. Um, there's no there's no opinion asked. God doesn't ask you, where in the body do you want to stay? Where do you want to be? No, it is actually as it is according, fulfills only the, the function and it obeys only the law of pleasing him. That the, when it comes to setting uh, members in positions where they stay, means where you connect the body from, and that's your position. Like where, how are you connect? what's your connection to the body? That connection is based on the pleasure of God. And so he says, if all if they were all one member, then where were the body? 
but now are they many members, yet but one body, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. But God had tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, and one member honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now we are the body of Christ and the members in particular. And God has set some in the church. Praise God. So you see, he kept using the word body, 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 body. Then when he came to verse 28, he now used the word church. And says that the God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, then after that, Miracles and then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And it goes on and on. Are all apostles, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. Of all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts and yet show I unto you my excellent way. Praise God. Um, so these, so when these chapters, you see chapter 12, then, um, and chapter 13 and chapter 14, chapter 12, 13, and, and chapter 14, they are um, mainly chapters that they, they, are, they give insight into wisdom that have to do with fellowship. Um, fellowship, the chapter 12, of course, they open it with the gifts, spoke about the gifts first. Then I remember the purpose of the gifts. If you check, um, let's see, um, verse and the uh, verse six, um, chapter 12, verse six, it says, There are diversities of operations, but the same God which worketh all in all, right? After speaking about the diversities of gifts in verse four, the same spirit, diversities of administrations, the same Lord. And diversities of operations, and the same God which walketh all in all. That's the body manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, says to profit with all. Right out with all um, is because of the sense of with all profit. That's when he now went down. He wrote, listed the gifts, and after that, he now went into to explain the concept of body. Right? Then the reason for explaining the what is the concept of the body um, is to, uh, if the gifts are given for a common profit, he now felt the need to explain the the the, 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 the sense of that common profit. 
And why would God give a gift to a, to a man, to a person, and say, this gift I'm giving you is not for you. It's for others. It's for it's for all. It has to explain the reason. And that's what this explanation of the body is for. Yeah. And for after body explanation, then he now went into explaining about the church. That first Corinthians, towards the end of First Corinthians 12, right? He spoke about the church, right? Then First Corinthians um 13, he spoke about and that's where he spoke about. He's also speaking about the church, but then began to move into um, qualities within the church and trying to create a contrast between um, different kinds of endowment. Right then, there's an endowment of gifts, but then there's now a endow endowment of things that um, abide. Right. Um, when he spoke of faith, hope, and charity, he said, uh, they abided faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest of this is charity. Then he followed after charity and desire spiritual gifts. Then he went on further to then speak in chapter 14 about different instruments of the ministry in the church. Right. So you see, everything about here, these chapters, chapter 12, 13, and 14, have to do with establishing. At the core of it, that chapter 12, establishing the relationship that one, that individual have with all, right? In that organization, this is the organization, this is the, speaking about, this is the organization of God's family, right? And um, a huge part of organization of any, when you have an organism, a living organism, um, a, a very important part of that that organism is how to feed. How to feed is important. And then how food, when an organism is feeding, what, how the food ought to be exercised to produce flourishing of life and all of those things. So these chapters deal with all, all of that. So fellowship, simply, we want to define what is fellowship. For fellowship is just the principle of interaction between every member in the family of God. Right? It's the principle of interaction with every member in the family of God. Of course, we know that when we say family of God, you have to include God himself first of all. God himself, right? That's the father in Ephesians chapter 3, whom he said that from whom all the family in heaven and earth are named, that the whole family in heaven and earth are named after God himself. So God actually is the head of the family, right? The Godhead. Um, if you read um, Ephesians, we know that the God is the head of Christ, right? Christ is the head of the church. And um, they typified it using marriage, right? That Christ is the head of the man. The man is the head of the woman. But 
they say that that's actually speaking about a mystery that is between Christ and the church. So if you want, if you want to look outside marriage, look at it in the church sense. Actually, you have the church that who God is actually the head of. And, and then you have Christ, who is a head. That Christ is talking about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just the nature of Christ. We're talking about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, that person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who connects all of us to God. We take away that person, there is no connection to God, right? Out of the three beings in the Trinity, right, the Holy Spirit, then you have Christ. When we receive the Holy Spirit, when we got born again, the reason why you can receive the Holy Spirit inside you is because of that person called Jesus. Because the Holy Ghost was on the earth for a long time, but he never came inside men to, to, to have a perpetual abode in them and to claim them or to come into them, as Ephesians put it, as a seal of ownership. Right, but it's, it's because of Jesus, right? Because Jesus came, that person, um, he's the one who engrafted us into. So because of Jesus, we, uh, God now has a, he has a, a body that includes men, right? So Jesus, that's what makes Jesus the head of the church. Or you can call me, you call him Jesus, the head of the body. The Holy Ghost is not the head of the body. The Father is not the head of the body. Jesus is the head of the body. Jesus is the head. He's the owner of the church. And it's through Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, that, you know, young man who was born in, you know, in Bethlehem, who grew up in Nazareth, did ministered in, you know, Judea and all, in Samaria and all of that. That man, because of that man, that's why we all, all Christians in the world, all the churches, we have access you know, we are named after the family of God. So the, so that's how the relationship is. So, so you have this massive entity, right, which has God there as a head, who, who is the head of a man called Jesus, right? And then through Jesus also being a head to a body that includes every single one of us, right, that body. So when we, when we say fellowship, when you're thinking of yourself in terms of what is fellowship, what's fellowship, or fellowship just means how you, in as a part of that body, wherever you are situated in that body, how do you connect with the rest? Which is, by rest, I mean everybody else who's also part of the same body, and of course, the Lord Jesus who's our head, and then who Jesus connects us to which is God, see? So that, you see that those relationships, there are multiple um, aspects, multiple dimensions of, and there are principles of fellowship. That's one thing that we have to really understand. And that's, I think, one at the core of this teaching or, or this chapter is to understand the principles of fellowship. Um, because fellowship, Satan wants everything about fellowship to be to be void of principles, to be void of knowledge, to be void of understanding, so that we can just do things anyhow, you know. Um, Christians, and th that's the way for a huge degree, somehow a lot of Christians have been orient oriented. The reason why a Christian will claim things that 
they have no real claim to is because of a lack of understanding of the of the order of fellowship. Right? The fact that you are part of the body doesn't give you right of all the functions of the body. Like we just read here, that the feet can't do some things. It's just because it's the feet. It doesn't make it any less. Like I notice, I, I thank God for Paul, the insight, the, the grace that was upon him to explain these things so that, and it took time so that there will be no confusion. And, and Paul went down to explain that the fact that some parts seem more important than the other doesn't diminish them, diminish them in their value. Right? And is separating the difference between function and value or function and worth. Right? That your worth in the body of Christ is not tied to your function. That's the, the main one of the main core of what Paul was teaching, that your worth is not tied to your function. Anytime, and Satan will try to mix it up, and by doing that, he has caused a lot of confusion in the body of Christ. Because he try, you see a lot of people es try to estimate their worth, their value, their importance in the body of Christ, and they tie to particular function where am i located or what am i doing in the body or what are my particular unique gifts and you know you can elevate one gift above the other in terms of value right there are different hierarchy there is no hierarchy of value value is actually the same when it comes to god why because nobody is worth anything the only value that is seen in the family of god is the value of their life and that their life doesn't belong to anybody. It's the same life that flows in everybody. And it has the same value. So no believer can be more valuable than another or can have more worth than another Christian. It's not possible. right? But when it comes to functions, utility, and this is what we see. This one is scriptural and it's clear here. When it comes to function, utility, where how you ought to be positioned, how you ought to be functioned, unique gifts that are given to you, and all of those things, there are actually hierarchies of function, there are hierarchies of gifts, there are hierarchies of different operation, right? Those hierarchies um, is because of diversities, right? In There are three different diversities they spoke about in chapter, if you look at verse 4, Talk about the diversities of gifts, that's one. Then let's talk about diversities of administration. These are three areas you will notice in the that that where there are differences between the um, members of the body. Right? You will notice differences in three areas. One is in gifts, you will notice difference in administration, and you'll notice difference in operation. Right, uh, you know they are not the same. The gift itself, gifts have administrations, right? And then give. They can, just think of it like a company. Maybe that will help us to see it well. Think of the gifts here as the, the talents in a company. All the raw human, the raw talents that a company has. Now it's called you the company. You has the raw talent. Then those raw talents. There's a there are departments that cater to the administration of them. Right. And then they there's what we call the operation of them. Operation has to do with 
how they are supposed to work. That's how, that's operation. How they work is operation. Administration is how are they organized to work. That's administration. How are they arranged to work? That's administration. Then you have the, the gift is the raw, uh, uh, like raw things. So, so he said, but you see, he says, but spirit is the same. Lord is the same. And then, and their God is the same. Because it's the same spirit, because it's the same Lord, and because it's the same God. No one has a higher, higher Lord than the other. No one has a higher spirit than the other. No one has a higher God than the other. It's the same being. Everything that functions in everyone comes from the same source. And to that source alone, does everything derive their value? Right? Everyone's value comes from God. Okay. Um, so when you talk of fellowship and interaction, right, um, a lot of the rules of fellowship that are built into the body of Christ, a lot of those rules are not really, when you talk of the, the principles of fellowship and why there has to be an organization around it, it's not really, um, it's not really, a statement of a difference in in what, for example, when you say when you say um, um, in a church, for example, why should why do I need to submit to why are we are both in the body? Why should I submit to this person? Why should I submit to the other? Maybe to your pastor or to somebody that is falls in the cadre of either administration or operation or something. Why do I need to submit? So the answer to that, you can't find it if you are thinking in terms of value. It's not about value. You don't submit because someone is more valuable than you or they have more intrinsic worth or something than you. It's because of the diversities, right, of these things. So because of diversities, right, there must be submission. Your fingers must submit to your forearm. Your forearm must submit to your upper arm. Your upper arm must submit to your torso. The torso must submit to your head. Right? You're seeing these are they are deep because of because and why is that submission? Not because one is worth the other. You know, it's because if you don't submit that way, it can't function. Imagine the hand not, not submitting to the forearm. I want to function somewhere else. It just cannot. <laughs> right? It's um it's an organism. Right, and so we was this one war that you know something is a, is a is a virus Satan has introduced into the body of Christ for people to either see submission or position in in sense of worth or in terms of value or you know see it as a way a sign that you are esteemed in one way or the other. It's not true. Submission is not really a value worth language. Everybody's worth is saying is more of a function language. God is not scattered. God is not haphazard. God is not any other. A, the body is a wisdom of organization. If you want to really think of what is really this thing called body. Since we are all, we have the same blood, the same life flows in us, why must we be organized as a body? Right? The purpose of body is really about organization for function. Right? That's the wisdom. Um, so, and then someone can get sad. Oh, maybe... Why am I not a big part? Why am I maybe I seem as if I'm a small part that 
you know, in the chain of submission. I'm just at the very, very, very end. Uh, why did God not? And then Paul answered the question that when it comes to honor and all of those things, God is not looking, it's not looking at your function for honoring you, right? God doesn't esteem when, when they're trying to approve you of. So if they, God wants to approve how good is this finger, God is not going to do that because the finger only does one day to think. God will do it based on the amount of life that that finger, how well, how much life has the finger acquired of his life? Right, that is that is when it comes to worth. Like I said before, when it comes to value, to worth, what you are worth. And that's not something that you can, you should throw away. So I'm not trivializing that. That is very, but that's the most important thing, right? When it comes to worth, what what the way in the spirit is life. So when, when you think of life, somebody can have more life than another person. And someone who has more life than another person who has a greater value in God's eyes. But it's not because of, it has nothing to do with the person. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons, but God respects his life. And that's why they would do everything to put their life in everybody, right? Someone who has a greater function, that doesn't make the person or give the person the privilege to have more life than someone who seems to have a lesser function. They are both the same kind of capacity for life, capacity for value. God wants every member of the body to come into all of his life. And every single member of the body has the capacity to come into, think of life more of qualitative, not quantitative. You're right, not, not, not quantitative, not qualitative, not, um, life is qualitative, not quantitative. It means that the tiniest member of the body has the capacity to have the exact same quality of life that the biggest member in terms of function can have, right? So that's why we, our eyes must be on the right things, and we have to know that. Amen. Um, but when it comes to the thing, the thing with that life is that how to gain life, how to access life, how to receive life. You know, that's the, that's the whole point of the body. Right, how the body is organized. Everything in your body is designed to receive life. Right, is to is designed to gain life from the flow. There is a flow of life in the body. There's a system of how life flow. The the wisdom of the body is how to get life to every single part. No matter where it is, the most extreme members should be receiving life when the body is okay. Right, so the, the so that's one thing. Was everybody must have at the end of, at the bottom of their mind is the point of fellowship is to gain life. That's the point of fellowship. The purpose of fellowship is to gain the life of God. This the life of God which is which is open and given to all, which has been, you know, we have been bought, born into this relationship to receive all of God's life. And in order to receive that life, the wisdom of the body was brought forth by God. That this is how we are going to integrate everyone and if everyone is faithful in where their own position, the life will flow to them. Um, so that's what you see here. So, so we're talking about fellowship. Thank you, Father. We give you praise.
Offrerna för att ha sitt Korin och även Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord, um, we are going to come perfect at this, you know. The body of Christ, we are um we have a lot to learn still. Uh, we have a lot to learn about um about what is the point of this whole thing? I know getting born again, being a Christian, being a body of Christ, being a member of the church, the local assembly, being like we don't know a lot about these things. And that's why there's a lot of abuse. There's a lot of you know we, we tend to major on the minor and leave the most important things aside. Right um, now to speak about. Um, I'd like to just talk a bit about the, the church thing, the church aspect of it. Um, I think Michael asked the question about is there a connection with fellowship and church, right? Um, um, now, the church, uh, maybe there's a way you can see it as in the just the native word of what, what that church means in the New Testament. Testament when it says church, you know, of course we know the word ecclesia. Ecclesia uh, means um, called out ones, those who are called out for or separated, right, for um, a certain purpose. Now there is the, the when the Holy Spirit uses the word church in the Bible, there's a uh, he uses it in that sense. Uh, those who have been separated and called out for a particular purpose, and then. And Michael, what you said is correct in in that sense, in terms of just the root um, etymological that root meaning of what church means. Um, you can't separate the meaning of church, the purpose of church, from fellowship, um, because church is for fellowship. So, so in a sense, every time you see a. Uh, a fellowship has been established, you can call it a church in a sense, right? It's, it's a kind of a church. Every, um, every kind of, his, of, um, every kind of uh, a, a union, a coming together of members, right? Um, every time you see members, every, every organization of members for the purpose of life is a church, right? Every time you see members are organized in a certain way for, for the receiving of life, that's just, that's a church in a sense, right? So you can say, if you look at the body, your physical body, you can say the, you can say the, the arm is a church. You know, see what are the, you want to list the members of your, okay, let's say the hand, not arm, let's just say hand. You want to list the members of the of the church called hand. You name the thumb, you name the um, index finger, you name the middle finger, name the ring finger, name the little finger, right? You see, these are the members of the church. And maybe you name the palm also or that part. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> but let's say that's the members that, that form the church called hand. But if you look at it, you can take the just the thumb alone and say this thumb is, is also another church within the church. 
because it also has members that are, are organized in setting way for the purpose of life and the fellowship with each other. Right? You can say the the fingernail is a member. Right? You can look at the, the cuticles, is always called, or I don't know how to pronounce it, but that aspect. Then you can look at the joint in that one. See, there are members here. You can see, in fact, every cell in that thumb is also a kind of a church, a church within a church. Right? So when you look at the root meaning of church, church is just every organization in the body. Can, and there's also a sense where you can call the whole body a church because the whole body is an organization for the, the distribution of life, right? Um, so that's why that, that understanding will make you really, really comprehend New Testament, how they use the word church. Because it's not every time they say church that they are referring to a local church. Most times they're not referring to a local church. Uh, it doesn't mean local church is not church in a sense. I will explain that. Of course, it's church. <laughs> um, but, for example, when they spoke about um, the church of the firstborn, let's say, um, in the book of Hebrews, um, the church of the firstborn, that's a church. It's just talking about a particular company that have access to a particular fellowship of the life of the firstborn. Right? That is, you can, it's just a church of the firstborn. So it means that they fellowship around a particular kind of life. Particular is, is for, for the, the, there's a uniqueness about the, their fellowship and the, the, the level of, um, of their, their communion. So every, what really defines church, a church spiritually is the, common communion that they have the every time you find a common communion that is the core of fellowship right so you so fellowship is built on communion right communion is what is the communion is the meat of fellowship Communion is the, that's what you fellowship around, right? Communion is like the table. And when you find a communion, you will, it, a fellowship is raised, right? So the reason why you have different organization of fellowship is because of different kind of communion. Now, in your body, I, I spoke about your extremities, right? Your extremities. If you take, you maybe you go to the, and this is scientifically proven, when you go to a part of the body and you take a blood sample from cells, just blood sample from cells in that particular body part, and you go and study that particular blood, there's a field of science where they can almost, almost closely tell you where was this blood taken from. If you take a blood from your, somewhere in the head, and then you study it and look at its properties and you go to somewhere maybe around the toe and take a piece of blood. A scientist can tell you that this blood came from like an extreme aspect part of the body. Not, and then he can tell you this one came from the head. How would he tell? He looks at the, the, the blood, what is inside the blood. One of the key markers is the amount of oxygen 
in that particular piece of blood. And not just us, there are, there are different things that are, that are inside that blood. I will tell you, the cells that require this particular composition of food, they are located in this aspect of the body. So that, that, I, that will tell you that not every part of the body feed at the same level. The body has a wisdom of how it distributes difference. So that, so what that communion is, is a particular food that you build a certain fellowship around, right? And that's how, uh, that's how the body operates. That's how also how it is spiritually, right? That's why, um, when you come into the overall, you think of the overall body of Christ, right? And then this, to answer some questions that some of us might have. I've heard people have questions like, maybe in terms of word of righteousness, for example. And recently, my was telling me about someone, someone who had a conversation with somebody and was raising the the, the, the question that why you know why maybe uh, why do you why do you, maybe you guys what you are learning what you why do you feel separate from others? You know why do you feel like you have to? Um, why do why do you why do you have your own thing? Why you? Why are your meeting? You don't just preach. Your message doesn't sound like everybody else's message. And then I think the person even went further and began to accuse that maybe, well, well you know, you, you have a, almost like a click mindset. You know, you only interact, you know, interact with almost yourself in one way. You're not, you know, fully interacting with others and all of those things. And I understand where the person was coming from. Um, but this, you have to understand this principle of, Communion and fellowship. Communion and fellowship. When, where all the body cannot feed at the same level, right? It, it's not possible. It's against the principle of the body. It's like you want to take your whole body and supply the same blood that you supply to your your big your small toe. If you supply that same richness, that same kind quality of blood, and take it to the head, the brain, the person can die because the amount, the, the level of oxygen the brain needs is only at a different level because of the, the the level of work that the brain is doing, or different aspects of the body are doing this the kind of work that they are doing at that level that they need a higher level of food for that for that kind of tissue. Um. So, um. So you see that. Um, fellowship is tied to the kind of the food that you're eating. And food, you see, food selects. Actually, what, the, like I said, the whole body is organized around feeding. The need, how, what kind of need does this one require at this level? That will determine what where they should be situated at a particular time, right? So your your position in the body, of course, it has to do with function. It also has both more more primarily is really about food, right? Every living organism portion of the living organism body of living organism is is distributed according to food, according to food organisms. Uh, this is according to food, according to what kind of food they are eating at a particular time. And food selects. Um, I was just meditating in my heart. I believe it was the Lord was just talking to me the other day. Was it yesterday or the day before? I can't remember. 
And um, the Lord was just telling me something. He said that um, he said that every every church that changes food level will lose people and gain people. What I mean, what it means is that if a church changes the level of food, meal they are eating, let's say a church is feeding at the level of milk, and then let's say for some reason the pastor has an encounter or something, and then um, now realizes that the church needs to be built for more, that there's more in God, and he has an appetite to for, for a higher table in the spirit, right? means he wants to change the content of communion, of the food that's being served. If he has an appetite and he receives a call, a sense of a calling to a higher meal, right? and this has happened before, even in our company, Word of Righteousness Circle, and the pastor begins to f- figure that out and then goes into dealings, and then the Lord is able to supply the pastor with season, maybe through a season of growing, and then a season where authority is placed on them to minister a higher table. When that happens and the meal changes in a church, this is guaranteed 100% and it will happen. What will happen is that some people will leave. They won't be able to stay because of the heart. Hearts of men are not the same, right? Every new level of world will require a higher level of work. Work is tied to word. When you feed, you walk. If you feed on a certain kind of food, it will empower you a certain, will give you a certain characteristic to do a certain higher, a higher level of work. If you take, if you now begin to place a work demand on the soul that is not ready to feed at that level, they won't be able to do it, right? And a soul, if you're trying to impose a food on them or bring a food on them that they are not ready for the work that that food will, will try to make you begin to do. And of course, when we're talking of work, we're talking about the work of salvation, right? Salvation is your is the work of change. That's the only work there is. And change is about the receiving of life. Like how much of God's life do you want to have? How much of God's life, the quality of God's life you want to have? That's what we work for. And, and walking is not outward. Walking is the heart. It's like what are the things you do to, with your heart to receive more life from God, right? And it's not the same. So a person that doesn't want to do too much with their heart, you just want easy easy Christianity where God meets your need. You know, when God is meeting your need, you pray, answer prayer. I mean, the best you are doing with your heart is trying to have faith for, for things. Having faith for things that you like doesn't task your heart too much, right? It doesn't, it doesn't take, does not the hard work to Although it's a bit of work to believe because a lot of people don't believe God for things. People just go out and they they use their own devices, right, in the outward. So they walk outwardly, but they don't walk spiritually. Spiritual work is different. Spiritual work means you have to employ spiritual instrument like faith and let faith work for you. So there's a level where you believe God, but to, but to believe God for the things you like, is one level of work. It's not. It's not too difficult. A person can do that. That one. But to now begin to move into another season of faith, which is the faith of the Son of God, to now do the work 
to receive things you don't have natural appetite for. It's another level of work entirely. And that level of work def- defi- desires a higher level of food, right? If we say, don't teach word of righteousness, just teach what the whole church is, t- is, is learning. If we do that, nobody will one day wake up and ask themselves, aside from all these things I like and I want, is there, does there, is there anything that God wants that is outside the things I want about life? Nobody will ever. It's not possible. It will never occur to anybody. <laughs> never, it will actually never occur to anyone. Right? If you say, let's leave Christ, teaching Christ, 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 revelation, all these things, you know, the, the word of righteousness is bringing in of, word of righteousness means importing another will that's not in your vessel, that something that you will never think to do in all your ages of living. How would you bring it and to enter into your consciousness as a thing to do? Right. That is, is a higher work. You want to make you do a higher work so that to give you the ability to receive a greater measure of life because the things we like will not give us life. We know that. If we want to live more, we have to fetch a higher will from the, from a higher mind who lives a higher life. So if you say, okay, God, you have a greater life than we do. And I would like to live your life. Then God will say, to live my life, you have to do the things I do. That's just the law. And, and those things will not occur to you. We must reveal them to you. You can only get them by food. So food just means will, right? Eating, coming into consciousness of another will, other things to do. That's what food is, right? So you now see why if meal will change, then... The, the the members will change. Why? Because people, every time you bring a new meal, you give people decision to make. You bring the members to a decision point. And not just even, I'm not talking of new meal, I'm not just even talking in terms of meal versus word of righteousness. Within even the word of righteousness, the, the food is graduating. The food is going higher, is increasing the demand for life, the demand of righteousness, what to do with your heart, the demand of your of, of, of growing, all of those things begin, increases as the food is increasing. And for every time the meal increases a notch, you bring the members in that fellowship into a decision point. And the decision point everyone will begin to make is that, am I? do I want to do this level of work? Do I want to work at this higher level? And not there's no fellowship where that, that, the answer to that question will be 100% all the time. You see, at every point, when meal will change, some members will drop off. They will stay at a certain level and say, I'm, I only want to fellowship at this level. So I'm not talking about physical attendance now, of course. <laughs> right? While the same number of attendance is there, ads can be dropping off because they are refusing the next level of work, refusing the next level of demand. So when that that happens, they, they refuse to eat at a higher level, right? To flourish. So you can see even within a local church community, in between a local church, you can have different tables of communion and different planes of fellowship. Different, and this is one thing that we have to understand about right? people who are who feed at the same level, who fellowship at the same level, 
is hard to fellowship at a level that is higher than your food. And if you say, okay, I want to fellowship at every time you can discern a higher level of fellowship, that fellowship has a, an entry door. And the entry door is not by going to become friends with everybody. That's not the way. The entry door is find what the food they are eating. Food is the door of fellowship. If you say, I want to fellowship at that level, eat at that level. Um, so, you know, what of Righteousness Company, there's a lot of accusation that has gone forth. I say, okay, well, maybe people like the Word of Righteousness guys, they like themselves, they like to keep to themselves, they like to do this on themselves, they like all of that. But it's not a conscious thing. I, what I have found, of course, there are also weaknesses and flaws where we might not have been cultured rightly to discern the body, which I will talk about a little bit before um, before we go tonight. Just we have a short time, so we'll round up with that aspect. Um, then we, next time we'll continue. Um, but there's there's also weaknesses, not being able to discern the body, and there, there are things there are things like that. But um, what you can find there can be an accusation that maybe there's a tendency for people who feed on a certain thing to to have affinity for one another more than others. That is actually normal. Um, that is normal. Um, and um, the, the attitude when so, someone notices that kind of thing is not should not be trying to force an acceptance of that fellowship. But rather, the way you, if you will like a fellowship, the way you buy in is you have to find the food. So you can't fellowship without the communion. All right, you have to find the fellowship, the, the communion. Once you are able to access, so the problem is a lot of people don't want the communion because the communion comes with demand of life. How you live, how you, what you do with your heart, right? The amount of work you have to do. Right, it's very, very uh, more determined by the the kind of food um, that you eat, right? Um, so, um, yeah. So you see that thing about church, right? I'm, I'm sure you're getting the sense of um, why the Bible will speak about church, um, right? The church of Bible speaks about the church of the firstborn, right? Um, Book of Hebrews. Um, Jesus spoke about in the midst of the church. I will declare that name. That church is a particular church, right? That's ready for the Father's name. And so these are churches in the spirit, right? And they are based, they are all tied to specific food which they eat, right? Um, but then um, there is also another concept of church, which is not just alone about the the food or fellowship but thinking about church in terms of um an outward organization of people right which are based on the relationship they have with Jesus. So that's one language we use as church too. 
And oftentimes we talk about that as maybe just the church, the body of Christ. You say body of Christ of the church at large, right? Which includes everybody who's a Christian. <clears throat> right? And um, everybody who is a Christian, there is some level of things that we share because we share the same relationship. That's number one. But beyond that, there's something else, right, that makes it, because like I said before, everything about church has to do with fellowship. That's the main thing about church is fellowship. So when we talk about the body of Christ as a whole, we can also call the body of Christ as a whole as one church. And then what makes the body of Christ one church is not because we are born again. Because being born again is not really a language of organization. It's just a relationship. But what makes the whole body of Christ one church is one thing. is the seal of the Holy Spirit. Or we call the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Or the communion of the Holy Spirit. Right? That's what the whole body of Christ. Bring any Christian from anywhere. As long as are you born again, your spirit is one with the Lord. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Right? And because and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have you have a level, the base, the basic level of fellowship. So we have one entity which we all fellowship with every Christian from every nook and cranny of the world, anywhere, are shares in that one fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So because of that, we are is we are all a church, and there are things about that relationship. Um, so, you know, when I spoke earlier about the possibility of um, people who are maybe uh, feeding at a certain level to tend to fellowship, have an affinity one for another, because you can't have table of communion without fellowship. Right? And so there will be something which they share, kind of a bond, which those who feed at the same level from the same table will have that others, when they won't share with others, that is a given, it's part of the organization, right? But the fact that you have something you share with a particular, at, at a particular level of fellowship with others does not take away from other aspects of communion that you share with the body at large or with other people. This is where the wisdom of these things have to come in so we have to know what joins you to your local family, your local fellowship, where you are feeding from, right? right, And what joins you with the rest of the body of Christ, right? There's also a fellowship, and you can't ignore that. You can't, and that cannot just be maybe a thing, maybe symbolic, well, I'm a Christian, but you are completely cut off from them. No, that's not right, right? There's something, right? There, so what I'm just saying in plain language is that Somebody from a village in Africa who is born again as a spirit of God in there should be able to find a Christian from New York City and they should be able to come together and in a real sense have a fellowship, right? The fellowship, they are fellows of something. They are fellows of the Holy Ghost. Uh, they are fellowship. They have a fellowship of the spirit. That is one. That's one of the things, right, which should be with us: the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost, the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us forever. Uh, that fellowship, and so that's why 
um, when it comes to the whole body of Christ. That's why a Christian should be able to walk into any church where believers are gathered and have fellowship with them, regardless of their doctrine, regardless of what they are feeding on, regardless of what it's been. Let's say even if everything that's taught from beginning to the end is error, heresy, every single Sunday, that, that all they teach is heresy, but are they born again? Any believer, you should be able to walk into that place and fellowship in the spirit with them because they are Christians. Right? That is one thing that we have to know. And that's very vital. That base, that is the glue that holds everybody together. That is what, as he speaks here, that will, will make sure that there is no schism in the body. And that fellowship is like a, is the basic element. It's, it's actually an insurance policy that God has taken on the body that make, will make sure that any believer anywhere in the body who is suffering and malnourished for food will have a hope and an access of finding a higher communion because of the openness of common communion in the Holy Ghost. Right. So and that openness of common communion, that Holy Spirit which we all share, is is actually the facilitator of mobility. There is actually mobility, and that's one thing that sometimes people don't understand, is that when it comes to the body, um there is mobility in the body. Mobility, I don't mean physically changing location or traveling to another place. I'm talking about mobility of soul, soul feeding, right? Where the soul is feeding your location of food, right? There's a sense of a mobility that is allowed, right, in the body of Christ, um, right? That mobility is for the purpose of pasture, Right, is that that thing must not be it must it should not be fought against, must not be sinned against. That thing must not be uh because we have the whole body has one shepherd, one head, Jesus Christ, not two. That Jesus Christ, the head, is actually the superintendent of food of the body. He is the superintendent of anything that has to do with feeding every minute member of the body. He has the power. Jesus has Jesus Christ has the the veto. Now, when you come to local church communities, local communion communities, and maybe we'll see that later, but there are principles, there's order. In around every table, there's a head of a table. Those are organizations of how God distributes gifts and all of those things and offices and all of that in the Bible. Right? So you see, for every table. There's an operation which, as long as it qualifies as church, there's operation of offices, there are gifts, there are those things in place, there is structure, there is some kind of a hierarchy in terms of the distribution of spiritual things. And so there are principles around that and all of that. But but every head of a table has is not really the head. The, the church as a body has a head. His superintendent head, who is Jesus himself. And Jesus can override any table head anywhere of any church. 
when it comes to the movement of members. All right. When I, when I say movement of members, I'm not talk, I'm talking about uh, you know how I explained to you that the hand and all of that is fixed in a place. Body of Christ is a living organism in a, in, in another form. In other words, it's not a static thing, shape, right? It's not a, the body of Christ. Is think of it like an organism that is undergoing metamorphosis, right? We also have a type of that in nature. You can see an egg will become a larva. Larva will become pupa. If you study a larva and a pupa, they have the members look different. Some members that are in a pupa are not in a larva, or it's the same organism. It's having metamorphosis. And after a while, it will it can now become an adult, like a worm caterpillar can become a butterfly. You see wings, but wings are members, but this same organ didn't have any members be called wings before. But where did they come from? Are they were, were they there? Yeah. Any organism that can undergo metamorphosis is not stationary in terms of members. You get what I mean? Where each member is fixed. You know, there are aspects of cells in that caterpillar that has the potential to become wings later, but there were no wings before. But by, by virtue of feeding, nutrition, metamorphosis is going on. Things that begin to be the shape of the uncharacteristic of the organism begins to change. That's what the church looks like, right? So, so when I'm talking about your your place in the body and all of that, I'm not talking about. It's not some kind of. I'm not saying position can't change. Yeah, <laughs> always we have to talk with wisdom in all these things we're talking about. I'm not saying position. I'm not saying it can't change. I'm just saying that it's not of you to change your position. It's not of anybody to desire another position. That it is of the Lord. It's as it pleases Him. Right, as we saw in verse 18 of chapter 12. You see, but now God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as it had pleases him. It's just that what pleases God now might be different from what will please him a year from now. In a year from now, the body might look like a different organism altogether. And a member that's positioned here might be a different thing altogether because of that nature of metamorphosis. The, the the body of Christ is not is a metamorphing kind of organism that sh that should morph and morph and morph and morph until it arrives at its perfect state. And in that perfect state, what the members will look like and their function in that state will be completely different from what it is right now. You have to understand that. Right. So when I'm talking about your position, I'm not talking, I'm not talking of just a static thing. I'm talking about something that, that metamorphosizes, but it's according to the will of God. So what I mean is that no flock can just get up and say, I don't like this place of my position. I want to move to the other place. That is against the law of the body. It's against the principle of fellowship. It's against the principle of communion. No flock has it in themselves to get up and leave a church and leave a fellowship and leave a place and go somewhere else. No flock has it in their, their power to do that. It's not part of the laws. The only person who can do that is Jesus. So, and Jesus can do that. Jesus can override the will of the member. And when I say override, I mean what you don't like. You say, oh, I, I, I like to stay here. Jesus can say, no, you like to stay here. 
but this is not where I want you. I want to go and feed a different food. Go and eat in a different place. I want to move you higher to feed in another place. I want to move, I want to morph this organism and relocate you. Those are paths. Those are, those are actually, uh, Jesus can do that. And Jesus can do that. And then no, no, no head or shepherd or whatever um, in the body of Christ or in no head of a table has a final authority to make a member stay in a position. Why? Because it's not as the Lord pleases them. They too must please the Lord. So at the end of the day, when it comes to the position of members, it is Jesus. And anyone who, who doesn't, who leaves where Jesus put them and goes somewhere else will have to answer to him. And in fact, before even meeting him, you will notice what will happen is that malnourishing will set in. Death will begin to set in. A lot of things will begin to set in because the fellow is not properly positioned in the way that um in the way that pleases the Lord. Right. Um, so um, as I was saying, when it comes to the the body of Christ, right, in fellowship with the entire body, there's that base level of of with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And that aspect, that's the basic aspect that every Christian must know, and you can never lose that, right? It is unhealthy for a Christian to have um, to have difficulty fellowshipping with other Christians in the Holy Ghost. It's, it's a sign of a problem, right? And um, and and a lot of times that can become a challenge, especially to people who have been able who are accessing a higher table. Like when um, the Lord begins to bring a higher table than maybe where the majority of the body is feeding on, right? A fellowship will be formed around that table, right? But the one of the dangers of that is if there isn't enough wisdom, and that's part of the purpose of this kind of teaching is to to give wisdom. Uh, to know that the, that aspect of the the, the, the fire, the, the fire, the love, the passion of communion in the Holy Ghost with every Christian, right? That thing is healthy. That's part of that's what Ephesians was referring to when he spoke about love for all the saints, right? The the milk of the world. That's one of the things that the milk of the world facilitates. Right when you are, you know, the milk of the world is a fellowship in the name of the Holy Ghost. Right, so when you fellowship in, it's actually a type of food. Right, it's a food. The milk is a table, which every Christian who's born again has access to. There's no Christian in the body of Christ who is not ordained to have access to milk. Any Christian who doesn't have access to milk, something is wrong. Uh, that they are poorly positioned. Poorly positioned means. They, are, they might be in a place, you know, there are manner of tables. The enemy has done a lot in the body of Christ. It's not every table in the body of Christ that has healthy things on it. That's the truth, and it's scriptural. The Bible talks about that in the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 28. You know, before he began to speak about, speak about who will he teach knowledge, right? Who will he cause to understand doctrine? Um those that are weaned from milk, them that are drawn from the breast, um, 
proceed just quickly to read that so that for those who might not be familiar with that chapter. Right. It, it verse 9 is where he was saying, Isaiah 28, whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Say them that are weaned from milk and drawn from the breast, and so on and so forth. But the beginning of that chapter was just the Lord to the prophet lamenting about the tables. The tables. Right? He's saying that. Um, Quickly, I'll just read verse um, verse 7. But they also have ate through wine and through strong drink, are out of the way. The priests, speaking about the priests and the prophets, right? These are roles which should be, which those who are pastors should play. The pastoral ministry has a priestly side and the prophetic side. The priestly side of prophetic ministry is the part that faces God, of sorry, part of shepherding ministry. Every shepherd is a priest and a prophet. The part of a shepherd that faces God is the priestly side. And the part of a shepherd that faces the people. That's his prophetic side. Right? So every shepherd should have should have this nature. But it says that the priest and the prophet have aired through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine, another intoxication has filled them. So, and of course, this wine is the wine of the enemy. Since they are out of the way through strong drink, they err in vision and they stumble in judgment. Right? So, I mean, in those two aspects, they have issues. Right? When you talk of vision, vision is what the prophet has. And then judgment is what the vision is what the prophet uses to guide the people. Right? And then judgment is what the priest uses. To minister. But he said that there's error in these two aspects. And when this occurs in a particular table, this can happen in a table, maybe a table that the Lord has set up for communion, the head of that table can have this problem. He can be fetching wine from somewhere else. Satan has plenty of wine to give to pastors, preachers. Not every preacher is anointed by God. I'm not saying, well, there are preachers who are anointed by God, but some that are more anointed by the devil than the anointing that God gave them. So when we talk of wine, he's talking of spirit. From what spirit are they operating from? Um, so this is the Bible. Okay, I'm just reading the Bible. So he says, when this happens, when there's error in, in vision and judgment, what will happen is that the table will just change. All of a sudden, all the tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. This can be the state of a communion table. But that community can be a church, it can be a local church, it can be any place where God has designed for food to be in the body, right? It can be taken over by vomit. Vomit means food that Satan gives, that God did not give. So this vomit is not milk. Milk is not vomit. This is below milk. So anything that is below the milk of the world is vomit and filthiness, and it produces a kind of uncleanness in the body. So so it's clear that every, every table like this is a problem. God, oftentimes, God can give the, 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 the shepherd time to repent, do all manner of things to them, right, to make them repent, to change the wine. But if they refuse, the Lord can, even or even while they are refused, when they are in this state, God can begin to, the Lord Jesus can begin to think about the members of that table. 
and begin to find a way for them. If they are interested for a better food than vomit, you can make a way for them to find a better table, right? So, so really, the, the, the most little food that are that's permitted by God in the body of Christ is milk. Anything below milk is bad. Just let me just use the word bad to summarize everything. Let me not talk too much about it. But uh so 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 but around the table of milk, one of the main things that milk should produce is what Ephesians chapter one. Let me just quickly read it. Ephesians chapter one. Thank you, Father. Um, this of Paul, after he has head of this church, they were they've been drinking milk so well, and then um, in verse fifteen he said, um, "No, he, you can't separate milk from the spirit." No, he mentioned about the earnest of the, the inheritance, which is the Holy Spirit, which they have been sealed with. Right, that was one of the things he commended. He said about them that he says, "You have also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your of your salvation." First verse 13 says that the gospel of your salvation in whom after you believed you were saved with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is that foundational spirit of communion, which every Christian has. So Paul is telling the Ephesian church, you have received that seal. And not just that, um, he said that this seal has begun to bear some fruit. So verse 15 or from verse 14, it says, which is the earnest of our inheritance, of course, as the down payment until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory, right? The word until the redemption means that there will be a time when the whole purchased possession, which is the entire church or the entire body of Christ, which has been purchased, and that purchasing is what brought about the relationship, right? But the, the, but the purpose of fellowship, so the purchasing is for relationship, then the, the fellowship is for the redemption of the purchased possession, right? Without fellowship, the purchased possession will never be redeemed. To redeem means take ownership for use, make it usable for the reason for which it was purchased. So you see, so you see that Holy Spirit, that seal of the Holy Spirit of promise, is not really an it's not really the, the the main provision for the redemption itself, but rather it's a down payment, it's a basis. Right for a kind of a initial preparation. So verse 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So this now beginning to talk about is praying for now changing of tables. That's what he's beginning to pray for here. To move, let's change the communion into a higher thing. You must introduce the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Means what is in Him has to come to the table. But the key thing I want to bring out here is the fruit of that that seal of the Holy Spirit. Is this what He heard in verse fifteen? I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all the saints. This love unto all the saints is the key fruit of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, right? So, and this love unto all, say, no matter the kind of sin, no matter what they are feeding on, whatever they are, is something that's very, very key and very 
you know, important, right? And so um, in the fellowship, the emphasis of the fellowship of milk, and this is the key, I'll just, just talk about this and then I'll we can, we can close for today. Um, in the season of milk, the emphasis is not the knowledge of him. In milk season, the emphasis is not the knowledge of him. So the emphasis of fellowship in milk season is not the knowledge of him. So it is wrong for any Christian, no matter how advanced you are or you have gone in the knowledge of him, it is wrong for any Christian to limit fellowship with other Christians based on a lack of knowledge of him. So what that means is that no matter what you are feeding on, maybe you are feeding on the higher table of Christ or the Son or the Father, right? That doesn't give a right to then, you know, cut off fellowship with all the saints. Let's assume that you have saints who are eating on vomit. Let's say they're not even eating milk. It's vomit they are eating, right? That doesn't, you don't have a right to not fellowship because there is still a ground of fellowship with every saint, right? So, and I said, not every fellowship, right, is on the knowledge of him. There is fellowship of that does having the spirit itself, right, gives, right? And that is a ground for fellowship, having the spirit itself. Um, so one thing that we must all have in us, and this is very important, and I have to speak this um, as an emphasis, is, and I must not die in you, no matter as your, your table is changing, the Lord is taking you for the one thing that you must also be looking at. I must never die in you. Is your desire to fellow to 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 fellowship with all the saints based on the shared communion of the Holy Spirit? That is a healthy desire, right? And what we call local church has that as its base. That's why nobody can ever outgrow local church, right? That's just, just based on that alone. It knocks off the idea that, and when I, when I mean local church, local church is simple. Local church is just a ground where, what that has that basic qualification or requirement of fellowship as just, the having the Holy Spirit, right? Um, has that as its foundational emphasis. Now, it doesn't mean a local church should, of course, every local church is deep, designed to build on that level of fellowship, to go into higher tables, higher communion, and all of that. That's the reason for the different offices and all of that. But um, the local church is a place that must cater that's, that's the right word. Every local church must cater to that level of fellowship as a major emphasis, right? So a local church is different from maybe a, a particular fellowship or a particular 
table, that the Lord can institute table anyhow, anywhere. There's no rule in terms of where God can institute table. God can institute a table that these days we have some tables where people meet online. You understand what I mean? It's not looking, they're not seeing each other, but God can use it uh, for his purpose. God can institute, God can institute a table just to teach one thing. Let's say the Lord can institute a table to teach prayer. Of course, prayer is not a rounded meal. <laughs> it's not a, a yeah. but God is not limited in that regard. God can do that. But that's so a table that's raised to teach prayer, prayer clearly is not a local church, right? Because there's a particular emphasis of what they are, they are, there's a, what that table is meant to feed, to, to feed the food on that table that's for a particular emphasis on something, right? But, and that's the reason why local churches have a peculiar thing about them that can never be outgrown, right? It is the only place where there is that guarantee of catering to believers at the basic level, which is in a local church, you are guaranteed that when you get there, you will fellowship at at least the basic level in a rich way to cater for you, right? Uh, because a, a way to describe a, a local church, a local church is a melting pot, right? A melting pot where you, you bring you know, a melting pot when uh, maybe a, a goldsmith or someone uses, you bring different metals, different, and you put them inside a melting pot and apply it and they melt together. All the things can fellowship at the same level. That's what a local church is. And it's very, 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 very healthy because the Lord uses a local church for many things. He can, he can through, when the Bible speaks about every joint supplying, right? Every joint which people who, for example, might be feeding from some tables of emphasis can come and melt into a local church. And by their fellowship, the Lord has a ground to give supply even to others, right? So in a local church, one of the main things that is very, very important, right? Because you can have a local church that someone can have be feeding from a table of emphasis that is a higher level, at a higher level than the level of food in a particular local church, right? And this is something that we are very conversant with because that is sort of the situation we find ourselves to be honest about things. Um, when it comes to the emphasis of food, just following the Lord, um, we can be feeding at a, at a table as a, at a higher level of food in the spirit. Um, now, in that situation, the person who's at that level, the main reason why you are going to a local church might not be for your for nourishment in the knowledge of him, as Paul was, because Paul divides those tables. The table of the knowledge of him in Ephesians 1 is different from the table that is about just the seal of the Spirit that produces love, faith in the love of Jesus, love for all the saints and all of that. So it's, a person can be at a table that's feeding at a higher place 
um, that has to do with the knowledge of him, right? And then when you, so when you are such a person, fitting at that place doesn't take away the need for a local church. The reason is because when you're going to a local church, you're not going there necessarily mainly to feed at that level. Even though there is food there, maybe milk that can benefit you, but that's not your primary food because at, it's possible at the table where you are feeding on, there might also be milk there. So it's possible that, but the reason why you still need a local church is because of the interaction, interaction with other Christians who have the Holy Ghost in them. That one, you can never, your soul has a need for that. You need a, uh, a place of interaction with other Christians who have the spirit of God in them because there is a kind of fellowship that undergoes that goes on at that level that is ordained even in the in the body of Christ. You know, that's the way the but how the church started in the book of Acts chapter two. Um, you realize that there's that element to it. That's actually a major characteristic of when it comes to church, not just in the spirit. But when God designed to then create a church that is physical, that's one of the unique characteristics that the Holy Spirit decided to make sure was present, was that he brought people from all across the world, different cultures, different places, different languages. He brought them all in Jerusalem. Then the Holy Spirit came down. Right. And then the Holy Ghost came and they were all baptized with the Holy Ghost. They filled with the Holy Ghost for 3,000 souls who gave their life to Christ and all of that. And then they then began to meet. Many of them stayed in Jerusalem, right? To, to have that. Um, the, the, the local church is also a, is a melting point of cultures. It's a melting pot of cultures. It's a melting point. It's actually a healing for what we call schism in the body of Christ. Because the Lord, but, but because of moving the body forward, God will have to erect all manner of tables. Some will be specialized for a particular emphasis for his, but the local church is actually a melting point, right? And what you benefit from being in a local church, there are many things, but this is the basic one. And we'll, we can look at the other things later, but this is the first one um, that, um, that when the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering together right as in the manner of some that when it, what he called gathering together he wasn't talking about maybe not attending you know not listening or not feeding and someone might be feeding but forsaking the gathering together that gathering together is bringing many things together um you know, one of the main purpose of the holy spirit you know um one of the things that was done in, in Genesis was chapter 12, right? To 11, to 11 was God scattered the people, the languages and all of those things, the cultures distributed shown up around on the earth, right? Um, to, um, for the stopping of sin. But in the last time, God wants to gather them together to be recultured after righteousness. And the local churches, and that's the sign of Acts chapter 2, local churches are, are meant for that purpose. It's not possible for there not to be schism in the body of Christ without local churches. 
So local churches are the provision that God has. That's what, what gives God the liberty to raise different tables of emphasis because God knows there is a melting pot of the local church. And that's the wisdom of the Spirit. We have to understand that that's very, very key. So it's good for us to, to take that aspect away from today. Uh, we're not able to touch some things um, from the question that were asked, but we'll continue again by uh, by by God's grace. Um, how to know you are pros- prospering in fellowship? That one should be a bit a bit clearer. Now, like I said, f- fellowship is the only way to know you are doing well in fellowship is you are growing, right? If you are not growing very likely it has to do with your fellowship. Either how you are positioned in your fellowship, right? There's something about fellowship almost guarantees growth, almost guarantees growth. When you are you are doing you're faithful with the table and then faithful with the fellows on that table, the relationship with them, how you're relating with them, growth is guaranteed. Right. So that's one of the main main ways to know you know that you're you're prospering in fellowship then how to identify transition in fellowship uh, when you say transition i mean when it means you are growing food is also a very very high indicator when i say food you can tell like how you can tell a child is growing is how they when their food is changing they couldn't eat this before now you can eat this the child has grown so, so food is actually a very very key indicator of growth right um, that is a bit obvious in a sense, right? Because other aspect of growth can be more difficult to discern when it comes to your heart, your love level, all of those things. You know, God is the one that mainly has the eyes for that. But when it comes to how how you feed, right? Your level of understanding. Are you understanding God better? Are you understanding Him better? Are you? Uh, is His Word becoming your capacity of comprehension, spiritual comprehension? Is it increasing? Right, that's one one way to know that you are uh-huh, you are you are you are making some kind of transition. But I have to qualify that when you talk of eating, eating is not just precept. You know that the things, two things you must eat. You have to eat that from Isaiah twenty eight, right? Knowledge and then doctrine. Um, no, I'm not. So I'm not just talking about your understanding. Of it. I'm talking about your your heart is. You are seeing the Spirit. You are seeing the Lord Jesus better. You are seeing His nature better. You are seeing His life better. That's why you, that's eating. And when you are, your way of seeing His life is increasing, not just revelation, that's how you know that you are growing in fellowship. Your, your, the way your soul is feeding on the Lord is increasing. That's the way to, yeah. Dealing with hastiness and complacency in graduating fellowship, right? The the key to this is don't don't worry about anything. Just focus on food, both precepts and and lines, or both knowledge and doctrine. If you focus on food, food inside food as a tech, a wisdom, a technology concerning your life everything about your life is inside the wisdom of feeding right 
when you are feeding well, don't worry about everything, anything. If you are being complacent, you will tell because you find out that you are not eating well. Maybe you are not able to, when you get to a point where normally you finish your food, you can eat the whole plate. But you're not getting to a point where when you are eating halfway into the plate, your appetite is dying. Then know that something is wrong now you are becoming complacent in your fellowship. So you have to do something about how do you pray about it, talk to the Lord, talk to those who you submit to, that this is dying here. When I'm getting to three-quarter or halfway into my plate, I don't feel like eating anymore, right? When you are feeling, you know, I'm just using a metaphoric sense where you know what I'm trying to say. That's how you know you are becoming complacent. Food tells many things. How you are related, your relationship with the food, with, with the word, it says a lot about how healthy you are. A sign that someone is becoming sick, they lose appetite. But you can tell it with children, right, or even adults too. So there's something about your health and your capacity, your appetite to feed, right? So that's how you know when you are being being complacent uh, in terms of your your fellowship and all. Oh, I think we can, can stop here today. And um, by God's grace, the Lord will help us. I know there might be more questions, but just think upon them. You can write them down. Um, if you have any questions, maybe you meditate on these things we spoke about. And if anything um, comes to your mind as a question, just note it so that we can we can talk about it. Amen. Um, okay, someone said, is it healthy to lose this is appetite under milk ministration? Okay. Okay, 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 okay. We'll talk about this. I mean, when milk is being ministered to you and you and you no longer have the appetite for the drinking of milk. Yeah. So there are two things I'll just quickly say about that. Number one, you have to make sure that what you are referring to as milk is milk. Some things that you think are milk are not milk. For example, prosperity gospel is not milk. It's vomit. Unconditional prosperity gospel. A God always wants to prosper you. It's not milk. That's vomit. That's not right. But some people can think that is milk. Right? So there are a lot of things that are not milk that you might think are milk. And But the pure milk, milk that will make you want to love all the brethren, milk that will teach you how to, to depend on God for your needs, Right? And when you depend on God, sometimes you might meet them, sometimes you might not, but to have faith to depend on God in a healthy way, that one is good milk. And so there are many, there are different things in milk. And we've, we've spoken about milk a little bit in previous teachings. But if, if I want to assume what you're talking about is actual milk. Now, if what you're talking about is actual milk, not vomit, right? You should not lose appetite for milk. Every, every Christian, no matter how advanced you are, must have an healthy appetite for milk. Milk should be blessing you seriously whenever you listen to milk of the word, right? But it's just that there's difference between appetite and satisfaction. When you've grown, milk should no longer satisfy you. Once you have grown, it's a sign that you have grown. So it's normal if you have grown to a higher level. You're now eating the meat of the world. And then when you drink a milk message, you enjoyed it too. But some, something in your spirit is asking you, okay, what's more? What's more? There's more than this. 
and that's normal, right? So it's not that you don't have appetite for the meal because the things in the milk are useful, they are good, they are, they're actually healthy for you, but it's just that it's not enough to feed your soul. So you will, after drinking milk, you will still feel hungry. That's the thing. So it's not that you lose appetite. Losing appetite for milk of the world is not a good sign at all. I mean, pure milk. What you don't have appetite for at all are vomit. And there are a lot of things that are vomit. Maybe we can talk about some, some key things to identify what is vomit versus what is milk of the world. But you should always have a healthy appetite for milk. But the sign that you are growing is that milk should not satisfy you. After drinking, it's drinking the milk, listening to the milk, there should be yearning for something more, something more substantial that has to do with the knowledge of, of himself. Um, praise God. Um, okay, thank you, Father. Um, let me just see. Awesome, awesome. All right, we can go, we can close. I'll just say a quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we just we just been speaking about you, about your body, about your church, about your spirit. These are your things. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that let the spirit of understanding, of the spirit of meditation, the spirit of of depth concerning these matters, let it rest upon every every heart and every mind. Listening, let's listen to this. Take the topic, Spirit of God, and drive it home. Open it, expound it. Let it be Help meditation upon these things, Father, so that every heart that is listening to this, we won't just hear the words, but also let the spirit of this fellowship which you are describing, Lord, let it rest upon every heart. Let every heart receive grace, Lord, to respond in like manner as you have said. Thank you, our God. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. So sorry for the time, mm. please. I tried, I really tried, but I still I went over quite a bit. Um, so please, we will, by God's grace, next week we will continue our discussion. God bless you.